Hello and welcome to episode, and I hope this is correct, 23 of Randomer Nintendo. Um, is it 23, Jason? You know, the one time I wasn't going to say anything, you then call on me. Yes, it is episode 23. Correct. Thank you. And I'm Jason, Which as you noted. Did. So there's my introduction while we're at it. Yeah. Joined by me is, well, that guy. And we have other guy, Kevin. Somewhere around other here. guy reporting for duty. We, so <laughs> as you may have noticed, we took, um, how many? Did we just skip a we're week? Off, I, we're off. So t- time is so messed up for me right now. You know, I was, I spent a week, almost a week in Cancun. And then, well, that's pretty much it. That, that could just kind of throw everything off. So what is time? When was the last time we were even on here? We last recorded in early July around, I think the episode went up the 11th. It has been a minute. Uh, but yeah, Comic-Con and unwanted souvenirs from Comic-Con kind of got in the way of, aka COVID, kind of got in the way of recording last week. So now here we are. Oh, okay. Not too bad then. Which makes sense then, because normally during Comic-Con, well, I would be at Comic-Con, but this is the first time in 10 years, um, ignoring the COVID year. Well, no, I guess you can, I guess it's still true even without that. The first time in going to Comic-Con for 10 years that I didn't go to Comic-Con. And during those exact dates, I was in Cancun, as I mentioned, not too long ago. We all um, made sure to Kevin hit was also a place at that Comic-Con, starts right? with C. So if you weren't at Comic-Con, you're at Cancun. You had to have two Cs a couple layers apart. We both hit them. So it was like you were there. Damn. Basically. Imagine there was a Cancun. But yeah, both of you were... Cancun, that'd be triple C at that mm. point. That'd be just C3. That'd basically be a video C3. game. C3. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, that oh, would man. be where Nintendo went because they weren't at Comic-Con this year. They went to C3. Well, I, I will talk about this later. But yeah, there was one thing there that almost felt like IP extravaganza, which is kind of what Comic-Con is. But yeah, I mean... You've all been good. I mean, hopefully you've both been well. I mean, outside of the set souvenirs Jason mentioned. Yes. Like, I mean, I've been a little under the weather today. Actually, missed work for the first time in forever just because I wasn't feeling well enough. Um, thankfully, nothing horrible. You know, just a little stomach flu. And but, it, it really I mean, goes hopefully. to show your podcast work ethic. Maybe not your real work ethic, but your podcast work ethic because here you are still recording. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess if I were from home, I probably would have still gone. No, no, no. Well, let's just let it linger that the podcast ranks significantly higher in your life than in any other thing you do. Let's just leave it at that. We'll give it. <laughs> we'll give it this this time. Yeah, but not going over to reminded me that. Yeah, I haven't really seen too many shows this year. I was actually looking at or consumed a ton of media. Um, I have my handy dandy media consumed document and the last series i started not anime was ted lasso in may and that was a season three which i finished but i haven't finished or started season four there is no season four officially oh never mind season then i finished season two and i haven't started season three and yeah as far as new anime goes i haven't finished or started anything since my Hero Academia on June 19. Is is this why you're hosting? Because you had to squeeze in a way to talk somehow. So you're like, well, if I don't have content, I'll play host. Basically, yeah. Like, even video games. Like, actually, no, I did right here that I started Final Fantasy VII. I did start it in January. 
and then I basically had to replay it because when I took my Switch on the plane ride to Cancun, uh, my file didn't save. So I had to replay the first, like, 20 minutes, you know, the part of the bombing rush mission. And I actually had to do that two more times because it didn't save again. I have now gotten a hang of the saving system, so don't you worry. I don't have to replay the same part four times. But I think I'm an hour in, and yeah, it's interesting. Cloud is mopey. I don't know what his deal is. Looks up to some guy named the legendary Sephiroth. Well, I guess I'll have to figure out what his deal is. Um, Hopefully, I mean, they say always meet your heroes, so hopefully that turns out well. And I guess, yeah, other than that, I rewatched Into the Spider-Verse, and damn, I still love that movie. Actually, yeah, we'll just start with that. Wait, didn't you also see Across the Spider-Verse? Yeah, but that's not as important as into. Um, but I think sure. I argue right now, it's probably more important. It cro- it just crossed, I think, seven hundred million worldwide, which is like double what Damn. the first one did. Even though the first one obviously went on to be a huge cult favorite. Yep, that's pretty cool. Actually, yeah, fine. Let's get into Across the Spider Verse since I did finally see it. I know both of you saw it opening week. Uh, I think so. I don't remember. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been... I'm pretty sure you thought the weekend it came out, because I remember all this being in that first week. Jason, That's right. who knows? I think I saw it opening weekend, too, actually, because we didn't want spoilers. And I saw it in Dolby uh, Cinema, which looked really good. The movie looked really good with that extra, um, basically, OLED movie screen, for lack of a better term. Uh, wait, so you've seen it twice? and you no, I've seen it were able to... once in Dolby. Ah, uh-huh, gotcha. Yeah. Wait, so have we... Talk about this? No, because you didn't see it. No, which is why I was like, let's talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, you we we did like a very passing. I think Kevin and I did like two sentences or less summary of what we thought. Um, but now that we've all seen it, and now that's been out a little, I could probably actually talk about it. I guess potentially warning spoilers, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess my super quick two sentence summary. Um, I really liked it. I liked the first one more. But the second one is still really good. I'm like split on whether yeah. I like this one more or not. It's yeah, I'm kind of it's torn. weird because like it, it it is one of those like if I put them in a vacuum because it's weird. It's like it's like one long movie, you know, like where it just builds on the first one. So everything I liked about the first one is in the second one, but more refined, just more. So I could say it's a better movie, but Without the first one, like, as its own thing, it's definitely not as great. Because you need a lot of everything that the first one set up. Like, I feel I mean, like that's true with a lot about. of movies. Yeah, sequels, I mean, it, right? it's, I like, mean, yeah. is that a knock against it? Or, like, no, you're not yeah, going to be able to why... enjoy Far From Home if at the same level if you hadn't seen the other Spider-Men, you know? Like, like you said, they Actually, build off each I... other. Hmm. The the Tom Holland ones are an interesting one because I feel like I feel like me personally I would have enjoyed each one. I could see them all separate. even even Far From Home, which was basically like remember these other ones. You mean No Way Home? I mean No Way Home. No. Yeah, I meant No Way Home. Sorry, No Way Home. Yeah, like Far From Home. Yeah, no, yeah, Far From Home was a random poll. If that's what I meant. No, I meant No No Way Home. Thank you. Yeah, actually, well. 
I mean, if I hadn't seen any of the other Tom Holland ones, I probably still would have enjoyed No Way Home as much just because... No, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Let's say you never saw the Toby one. Let's say you never saw the Garfield, the Andrew Garfield one. Yeah, then it definitely is a a lot. Yeah, so it's it's tough for you. Actually, I mean, even in a vacuum, I think this movie still holds itself very, very well. But I mean, it's literally because I'm just trying to figure out like which one I like more, which feels like it's still the first one, but damn, the second one comes really close. Like, I, I think the only, my, my easy tiebreaker is, um, I guess like how many times I felt like very emotionally pulled, like to tears. And I think the first one definitely beats it in that for now. It's like, there's a, there's no scene in Across the Spider-Verse that I guess is a, is as emotional as the what's up danger scene. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There and and likewise, also, even just like his dad talking to him like from across the door when he's tied up, like that muscle, like really, really, really great. Yeah, I feel like the the individual highs aren't quite as high, but as an as a whole, I think they did a really good job with like being essentially having carte blanche once they show that they knew what they were doing and you know started winning awards and stuff and getting all that acclaim basically being able to go crazy and do all sorts of different stuff with the art and different art styles and have like the color palette shift to represent moods throughout the movie like it was it's really cool how they played with the art beyond what they did in the first one but i don't think there's any one standout moment like the what's up danger falling upside down you know that whole they even tried to recreate that at one point it just didn't hit the same way because that was just such a flash in the pan lightning in a bottle sort of whoa and this one has a lot of great moments but i don't know if there's a whoa if that makes sense yeah there was just a lot of oohs. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of yeah, oohs and ahs but i don't know about woes and neats and cool but i don't know about whoa yeah mm-hmm. at least for me and i mean you know it, ha- it has a tough job of being like you know the middle of a trilogy um i feel all three of us knew it was a part two of three going in yeah. it sounded like a lot of people that I knew that watched the movie had no idea it was going to be like a part two of three. So they were really caught off guard by how it just ended. That was, and I had the opposite experience. Oh, sorry. Finish what you're saying. I'll, I'll say what I was going to say. But yeah, but I was going to say like, but otherwise, like, I don't know. I, I don't think I had that same kind of impression that people had where it just felt like it ended. It felt like, it felt like it had a build up. It felt like it had a cool down. And then it felt like, I mean, it. I mean, it's obviously a cliffhanger ending. Cliffhanger gets a cliffhanger cliffhanger ending, but it didn't feel like it just ended out of nowhere. Does that make any sense? It felt yeah. No, I had the opposite problem paced. where I, I, I heard it ended extremely abruptly because a lot of people were like, "Well, it just ends." So I was like on guard for that to happen. So I felt there were like five times I thought it was going to end and it didn't end. It just kept going. I'm like, oh, okay. Like there's so many moments I'm like, oh, this is the cliffhanger. And then I kept going. I'm like, oh, this is the cliffhanger. And then I kept going. So I had like the opposite problem. You don't, uh, you guys don't remember how it was billed as part one? What? You guys don't remember how it was billed as part one? It wasn't. It wasn't. It doesn't say it on the poster or anything. No. It was. It it originally was billed as part one. Yeah. Of part two. And then out of nowhere, they just decided to retitle the third one. Yeah. Yep. But, um, yeah, but because I remembered that legacy of it being one of two, it just, it made the ending, I, like, the ending felt not drawn out because it kept ramping up. And I was like, okay, but I kept thinking, like, oh, this is where it, <laughs> like, it, it made the movie feel 20 minutes longer than it would have felt to most people, I suspect, just because I kept being like, ah, this is the end. Oh, nope, nope, that's the end. Oh, nope, okay. Like, it, it was weird. Like, the opposite problem. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, I didn't do 
I mean, I knew that much, so it's not like I was in complete... I mean, I was pretty close to complete radio silence as far as this movie goes. I mean, I knew that much. I saw the, yeah, I but... saw the first teaser trailer and then just saw nothing else. Mm-hmm. I avoided the rest I, of the I saw, play. I think, the second trailer. I was very trailer. glad I did. Yeah, I saw the second trailer. I was like, there's too much here. Even I can tell, and I didn't watch anything beyond that. Oh, and then and I sure saw enough, a fake spoiler. A fake spoiler? Yeah. I saw I saw a thumbnail to what was supposed to be like a new trailer that just ended up being fake. So I was oh. very glad in that regard. That's good. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, definitely really enjoyed it. Definitely want to watch it again. Can't wait for it to come out on 4K Steelbook, which I already pre-ordered. And you're going to Although... just keep watching it over and over because part three or part two, part three, however you want to word it. Uh, Beyond the Spireverse is delayed indefinitely because of the strike, so enjoy part two forever and always. That's, that's fine. No, it's good It's good the people so that uh, the writers and the actors are getting what they need. Like, they, they should be striking, but my oh, point yeah. is, like, it. who knows when we're seeing part three, so. Yeah, I think before the strike, like, it felt like there was no way they were going to get to finish this in less than a year. Mm-hmm. And I think even, like, some of the FX artists or animators, like, echoed that remark. Almost like they didn't pick the deadline, but yeah, we'll see when the next one comes out, whenever it comes out, probably be a good while, but you know, Do you have a favorite Spider-Man from the new crew in Beyond the Spider-Verse? Not really. None of them? None of them really, <laughs> I think I just like Spot. Yeah, Spot um, was cool. Like, I, they're all, like, I, I enjoyed them all, I, I, I didn't dislike any of them, but... I don't think I'd consider any, like, a new favorite or a new, like, like oh, I like this character. Right. I know a lot of people lean towards yeah. Spider-Punk, but, yeah, nothing for me was quite the... Spider-Punk is cool, but... Nothing quite no, hit, sp- like, sp- Spider-Ham or, or sp- Noir Spider-Man or whatever his name no, was. Sp- Those... Spider-Punk stole the show for me, for sure. Did he? Yeah. He was way too cool to be in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I would absolutely watch an entire series or an entire film trilogy starring him. I, I thought he was awesome. I really did like how they had his art, like, all kind of, like, non-conformist in terms of how they did in the same way he did. Like, the way they represented either on the nose or more subtly every sort of thing happening in the movie through the visuals was super cool. Like, keep thinking back to, like, how they did the art for Spider-Gwen when she was interacting with her dad throughout the movie and how it got, like, more abstract and more, like, uh, like cool toned at one point and it like switched back like it, it is really cool how they did that yeah they they had a lot of fun with that for sure yeah i mean i think it took them three years to anime spider-punk just him that's crazy which is pretty impressive i mean he definitely seems like someone that deserves their own team i mean even being animated on threes i think was great you could definitely tell i feel like this movie if you didn't like the first one for its visuals you're gonna hate this one <laughs> For his visuals, because it just kind of doubles down on, I guess it's doing, like, literally just pushing the animation medium to its limits, which, who knew, like, many years from now that, I feel like Disney has long been the, just kind of their studio, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of sad to say, but, like, Disney and Pixar, for a good number of years, like, even, like, yeah, I, I enjoy Soul, but I don't think... I've watched a Disney or a Pixar movie, I don't remember the last time. Even Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4 I had to watch two or three times before I felt like I really got it. 
Um, the first time I felt like I felt nothing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting that Sony and even especially DreamWorks. I mean, well, I haven't seen Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. No one has. That but, movie bombed. So, but it feels like they also barely marketed it. Like when I first heard of it, it was because of a poster. Yeah. At CityWalk. And I was like, oh, is this like an actual DreamWorks movie? Are they just publishing it? Like, what's going on here? I saw like, I saw a trailer for it with Guardians 3, I think. And I was sitting there like, what is this? And how is it out in three weeks? And I've never heard of it. Like, it just came out. No, it, yeah. it, 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 played, it felt like such a play from like, remember like back in the day when DreamWorks and Disney, it'd be like, oh, here's A Bug's Life. Well, here's Ants. Here's Finding Nemo. Well, here's Shark Tale. That felt, it felt cut from that cut. Like, here's Little Mermaid. Well, here's the other side of that story with Teenage Kraken Girl. Like, I don't know. It was just something about it. All, all of it just felt very strange yeah. to me. And they made it seem like it was based on a book, but it wasn't. Like, they put, like, the name on it. Like, it was an author, but it wasn't. It was a completely original story. <laughs> like, there's just so many oddities about it. I don't know. I feel that just marketing in general recently has let down a lot of these animated movies. Like, that movie, um, Strange World. Which has anybody yeah. seen that? I have not, but I, I've no. been meaning to check it out on Disney Plus now that it's there. Like Elemental, that the latest like Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a good just one. Slowly recouping its money. No, that that's a really good one because that's like a sleeper or... hit. Yeah, that made it look like it was Inside Out, but not like Inside Out Diet, Inside Out Diet, Inside Out Light. But apparently, it's actually quite good. But the marketing gave no indication it was anything more than Inside Out with elements. So. I think like there was another DreamWorks yeah. movie or I forgot what it was, but I think there was like another animated movie that just bombed because like there's absolutely no marketing. Oh no, it wasn't an animated movie. It was the uh, the Haunted Mansion. Because oh, I, yeah. I didn't see yeah. a single thing for that outside movie. of theaters. I never saw any. They they went kind of big at Comic Con, but they didn't announce they were doing anything at Comic Con. You just had to like find out through word of mouth. Like they had a whole offsite. We'll talk about Comic Con later, but they had like a whole activation you could go through and it was cool and it was like you you walked through like the dining room of the ride like you're in the dining room instead of on the buggy above the dining room and they like recreated the whole thing you get a poster and there's photo ops never was announced just by word of mouth about 30 minutes before it opened you could hear it was happening so strange how they're treating that movie real shame real shame but hopefully that changes later after the ride is strike. hopefully i mean hopefully there's a lot of changes in general but, I mean, that being said, we do have Ninja Turtles this week, which yep. I'm obviously very excited about. That's something I'm really excited about with animation in general is Spider-Verse basically opened the door to not having that same sort of CG look that every anime movie had for a long time. Where it's like, oh, it's cartoony, but it's realistic. But, you know what I mean? Like, they all look kind of the same. Like, it's really refreshing. Yeah, that. but now... Now they're all looking like Spider-Verse, but it's really refreshing that they're branching out. Yeah, right but... That being said, though, like, even between those, like, I feel like there's still, they're still doing a better job of differentiating themselves from Spider-Verse yeah. than even just, like, the generic Pixar. Because, I mean, yeah. Puss in Boots just kind of borrowed a little bit of the frame rate style and some of these things. Which, you know, I think that I've always been there just as Spider-Verse, like, really hit it strong. Like, I mean, it just had a great story, great music, great animation, great visuals, hit everything. But... Yeah, Puss in Boots, I feel like mainly borrowed just like the the frame rate more than anything and you know, just had a more flat art style. Right, and the eyes but, not being like But Turtles definitely I guess could be argued has more of a Spider Man DNA in it. 
but that one for sure, at least like from like what I remember from like the early trailer, like it's just way more rough. Like it's mm-hmm. a very rough looking film, like almost intentionally supposed to look like sketches in a the art of the movie where it's like, oh, we're at the planning stages. Bam, that's what the movie's going to look like. Well, what's interesting is at times... Which is usually really cool. At times in the footage, it almost has a claimated, like a claymation vibe, like a sketchy claymation. I don't know how better describe it. It's like claymation with like line art on top of it. Like I don't know how better describe it, but I know you haven't necessarily consumed all the trailers and stuff, but like it, it's interesting. It kind of does find its own lane a little like, while still looking very Spider-Verse. Yeah. Well, kind of, did you have any other closing thoughts on Spider-Verse across into? Beyond. Beyond. I'm I'm good. Oh, I have one thing I said when we did our two-sentence summaries. I'll say it again, but I'm modifying it. Uh, soundtrack, like score across the Spider-Verse was better than into. Soundtrack, like album inspired by, I think the original might take the cake, even though they got Metro Boomin for the second album, which is quite good. It's grown on me a lot, but still, I think they're, the original... Into the Spider Verse soundtrack of the two is probably a little better. That's my thoughts from, from yeah. This. The, you're you're talking yeah. about the score, no, not the score, the soundtrack, like the the the. No, but you're saying for across the score, uh, the score is better per second. Yes, yeah, and for yeah. soundtrack, totally the first is better. Yeah, yeah, and they kept all the music cues and stuff were relevant, but like it was real, it was a really good soundtrack score. Yeah, so that was my last thought. <laughs> Well, to kind of pivot it into like the complete opposite direction, you know, huge screens, bombastic soundtracks, it sounds like. Actually, very quick question. I mean, did you both already see Barbie or Oppenheimer? Uh, if I didn't have COVID, probably would have. Oh. So not yet. Yeah, it just seems weird because it's a Christopher Nolan movie and you seem to be I'm, all I'm, I'm aware, but I've, <laughs> I've been Nolan. on quarantine since I got back from Comic-Con. Um, I was supposed to see it Wednesday, but I'm going to move that for obvious reasons but i feel like that just normally wouldn't stop you anyway no i i care more about not getting people sick than i mean open it's not going anywhere it's going to be in imax for at least a couple weeks i'll be in the clear by probably next weekend so you know i i respect the change in you and yeah are you okay yeah Uh, thank you i guess i desperately want to see (laughs) it in imax 70 millimeter that's but like there's there's no good seats anywhere for that Kevin, here's here. Uh, well, we'll make plans after. Let's take this offline, as they say in the business world. But there might. Uh, I hate I'm, that. I hate that so. Much. <laughs> I hate it so much too. I think. Um, then we just talked about, way, we talked about this, didn't we? We did. Uh, but yeah, if you want to, it was either on the join, podcast or like in person. It, where I, I, I think I it was on the podcast. I think it was just in person. No, no, no. Really? It was last episode. I hate. Let's, I, think we're, I hate. Yeah. Let's take this offline. Let, oh, let's circle I back on that. Let, let's put a pin on that and take it offline. And no, but seriously, after we record, I might. I might be going when seats open up a little, and I already have some tickets. I'm moving, so there might be opportunity for you to tag along if you want to come. Where are you watching it? Uh, Chinese theater, ultimately. TCL. Yep. Yeah, that's that's also where that's pretty much where I want to go see it. But yeah, yeah, going with uh, oh, we're gonna drop a friend's name. Going with Eric. So, if, but we have more tickets. We can add more tickets. So. Well, we'll see. Once we now take the it rest of the world it gets to hear our plan. One day, world, we're seeing Oppenheimer with a friend named Eric. Well, <laughs> well, I guess as I was saying, yeah, to go from like the super big thing to the super tiny screen, or from like you know long form media to short form media. I think I've been meaning to bring this up many podcasts ago, but 
Yeah, I finally started watching. Oh yeah, suits. <laughs> I oh god, you wanted uh, to talk about this. I know, I, I, I know, and nothing against suits per se, but no, I know what you're gonna say, and I do not approve. But go ahead, continue. Yeah, I, I got into so earlier when I said I hadn't been watching any new series. Um, I guess was kind of a lie because I feel like I've seen pretty much all the suits. I definitely saw an entire arc of a character lying their way to get into a law firm. Their ups and downs I mean, I and their apparent death out of nowhere. I think that's and I was like, "What one, the heck?" Yeah. And their death? Oh no! All the way never to mind. their mind. I didn't up, catch up, that part. Up until, up, <laughs> up until they get married and then they die. Oh, spoilers for suits, I guess. <laughs> but well, I didn't say who, but now, I guess now, now you can piece, piece it dies. together. Yeah. Yeah, someone dies. Um, everyone's wait, but let's talk about how you're watching suits, not that you're watching. Yeah, suits. so. So while I never really got into um, TikTok as like my app or site to consume media, I did start doing the YouTube shorts. Like sometimes I'll just like swipe through them. They've been pretty, pretty well. The algorithm has been pretty good. And just like picking out like stuff that I would be interested in, whether it's like something rhythm ever related, video related, quick little Smash Brothers clips. Like it's been surprisingly like good. Like I'm just like, oh. Like something to just like kill a couple of minutes or something, but at some point it started throwing random sitcoms at me and uh, whatever dramas I guess. I think it first started with Young Sheldon, and because they're like thirty seconds long, it didn't feel like like I'll just watch it. Like, well, how bad can it be? And yeah, like some clips were kind of cringy or like something was like, oh okay, I can see why I wouldn't watch this. I think over time, I think I started watching enough Young Sheldon in this format. And because I guess the algorithm knew, or I guess depending on whose clip I saw, I guess they knew to keep them chronological. I pretty much saw what felt like, because I mean, I didn't realize the whoever plays Sheldon in Young Sheldon started playing him when they were really, really young. Because I saw what basically felt like his elementary school days to his skipping to high school, skipping to college to him being basically like a young adult and i feel like i basically got a a recap of the whole series in 30 second chunks and then before i knew it i basically saw modern family that way and suits and this is psychopath behavior by the way and that 70s show again i don't i don't know and i guess they were interesting enough to watch but not interesting enough for me to pursue the full-length show. I, I don't know what is more of a red flag that you're going to be a serial killer. I'm not sure if it's that you used to watch shows backwards or that you're watching them in TikTok clips, but neither of them are that of a healthy person, Angel. They're that of a busy person that ain't got time uh-huh. no. to watch all these shows. Psychopathic. So being, <laughs> it, it, it's like eating a television cereal or a cerealized cereal. It's just like little cereal, cereal bits. But you eat a bowl of them. You don't just eat a checks. You have a bowl of checks. You don't eat a Cheerio. They're Cheerios. Yeah, it's like eating one Starburst at a time per day over the course of... No, not even per day. It's like sometimes I'll go like days without seeing the next installment in what happens in Suits or if Suits made it out okay. And then I'll be like, oh, cool. Looks like suits issue got resolved. Now we'll see what suits does. So, next. so you're saying and so it's it's like you buy a Starburst, but then you take like two weeks to eat the whole package. More like two weeks, two weeks to eat one. Okay, again, like psychopath like... behavior. 
I'm not. You're not helping your case here. But it, who does that? But the difference is that <laughs> it doesn't get stale. Like it doesn't dry out. It like it's still as fresh as when I first bit it. So you don't necessarily feel like you're in a rush to finish it. You just consume it. And then if for whatever reason the next Starburst you get has to be a completely different flavor, and you almost lost track of like, wait, well, how is this connected to the first one? You just kind of write it out, and then you hope that the next clip will somehow tie it together. And sometimes it does. Half the time it doesn't. You just kind of have to go with the time skips. Um, I think Lewis is okay. Uh, Who's Lewis? Who's Lewis? Is that the person you murdered because <laughs> you're a psychopath for doing this? Who's Lewis? He seems to be one of the. He seems to be one of the main suits. There's a guy named Mike who's also one of the main suits. And I guess there's, there was this woman that I guess uh, got married in real life to yes. royalty and had to yes, leave the show. Or correct, something. Prince Harry and uh, it was Prince Harry, right? Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Yeah. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Oh, they live uh, up near our alma mater. They live up near uh, Santa Barbara now. Yeah, my only thing with the show, I can see why some people enjoy it, but for me, it, it's kind of everyone in that no, show. Like you don't enjoy it. You're watching it on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> are you in a position where you're allowed to do this? I don't think you are. I think so. I think so because I think I've seen enough. Um, how, essentially, how from what I've gathered, how many minutes do you think you've you've watched in total? Twelve. A couple hours. Hmm. Jesus Christ, Kevin. It's, Kevin, it's why are we friends? With, why are we friends with this man? I don't. I don't. I, I, so here's the thing. <laughs> Not that I do this too, but I get a lot of those clips for like, uh, what's that one show with uh, Norman Bates? Uh, uh, Bates Motel. The no. The, well, the actor Twin Peaks. He like plays like an autistic. Uh, Twin Peaks. No, what? he he plays like an autistic doctor, and I'm not. I'm not. Like oh, the good doctor. Like the, the good, good doctor. doctor. There we go. Yes. Like every now and then, I'll get clips of that. Oh yeah, and house. I'll, and I'll just watch. It. <laughs> Not and house. I'll just and I'll just watch it. I don't know why. I just will. I I never probably have... seen maybe about an hour of the good doctor via TikTok. Never have <laughs> I ever. Even someone that is willingly so... acknowledges that they don't. It's not something they like. They are. Like to do, they just never have I you know, felt you could so out of touch. Go through various hours. Never have I felt so much like a boomer as right now. Like I know, like I know people are like, oh, the NPC trend, like that's dumb. like I don't get it. The Gen Z's crazy. I was like, okay, fine, that I see why they're doing it. I don't understand this. I don't understand. I feel like I'm like in a world that no longer exists where people sit down to watch their shows. Honestly, it, it kind of fits with my general philosophy of like I'm not caring about the I, content, just getting to the end. Well, kind of, like, because, you know, in essence, it's like, sometimes I just want to know a synopsis, and that's kind of it. Like, sometimes, like, I just don't care enough about them to properly watch it, which, you know, yeah, there's very, there's a lot of arguments to be made that, like, well, you should still give it a shot anyway and see if you do like it. Like you did and with yeah, Severance. Like, yeah, but Severance, I don't know, call it intuition. But sometimes there's, like, shows where I'm all like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like this one. So I will wait, like, for Severance. I If those clips came out for Severance, I would skip them. But yeah, so you do for something like power Suits... power to skip. You're choosing not to. Interesting. But, yeah, like, for stuff that I know, like, I would want to consume properly. But for something like Suits, Young Sheldon, and whatever else I mentioned, House, Modern Family, I don't 
see though like being in my regular rotation let alone something i would pursue i know that what they're generally about and they still don't seem like something that appeals to me as far as something i want to continuously watch but give it to me in 30 second chunks sure and i've definitely seen enough of suits to i don't know i just be entertained by it but yeah like I, i think my biggest problem with it is that everybody in that show is sherlock holmes like or or everyone is psych um the main dude from psych Oh, um, his name's his not name? Syke, but sure. Yes. John Syke. Oh, yeah, you know, you know. Jo- John Syke. Johnny D. Syke. Yes. But yeah, like literally everyone in that show is like, they say something like, oh, you came in. Oh, you're a little late. Oh, I see that little thing on your on your cuff tells me that you saw this woman last night. I mean, you did this, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone is like a savant. And when everyone is a savant, Nobody you know, it just kind of makes it not as, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, at least from the clips that I've seen, like I get that vibe, and it just kind of feels like, like okay, so you're all uber geniuses. Like it's not super exciting all the time, but there is just enough little drama or these like, personalities that come with these savants that I guess make it interesting enough to keep watching it in I, YouTube short form. I, I will say because you evoked House as an example, that is the one show I've only seen through clips, and those are all clips of him playing his Game Boy. I've seen every game that House has played on House, but I've not seen anything else from the show ever. Another Sherlock Holmes slash Savant. Yep, yep. It's a whole subgenre. It's all, it's, 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 it's all these shows are, yeah. It's all, it's all these shows are. Well, yeah, because if you watch someone oh. bumbling around and not knowing what they're doing and never succeeding, what's the point? No, but that that would be <laughs> funny. If it was bumbling around and somehow succeeding. Uh-huh. This is everyone is, this one, everyone is super smart and they're succeeding. I so it's see. like, yeah, I cool. See. But, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think the most interesting part was just, like, the the arc of the Mike character trying to lie their way that, like, we're in Harvard and that they, you know, weren't, but. That was the yeah, original premise random. of the set of the show, for what it's worth. They expanded from there, but that guy's story of, like, kind of weaseling his way into a law firm was exactly the pitch. So that was you know the what's funny? premise I, one. I, um. Just based on the clips alone, I thought Lewis and some other guy were the main characters. But then, I kid you not, I think it was a couple of days ago that I saw the intro to that show for the first time. Oh, my God. I don't think it was worse. in a clip. I don't even remember how it came up. I think someone linked it or something. And then when I saw the intro, I'm like, oh, it's this guy's the show. So, Yeah. And, of and yet you felt you had the right to critique the show and you didn't even know who the main character was. I'm critiquing what I thought, <laughs> whether it's valid or not. That's up to the listener to decide. All right. I mean, all right. right? I as, mean, as long as they don't chop us want. up and watch us. Wait, what doesn't make any shows? right. I mean, what the I mean it's no different than Psych is in the show. Who from Psych is oh, in Oh, yeah, they are. Uh, crap, what's his name? Uh, Gus. Oh, oh, yeah, actually, I did know that, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing a clip with him, and I'm like, oh, there's this even more psych. Gus, uh, Gus gets around. Like, that guy's in a lot of stuff. Like, you start to notice him everywhere. He's in, like, I forgot what else. But there are a couple other shows I was watching. I was like, oh, it's Gus. He's in a Marvel or Star Wars show. He's in one of those. I uh, think it's a clip be of something. Marvel. I don't remember which dub. I do remember seeing him. Yeah. But, but yeah. I guess uh, 
Besides that, a very healthy way of consuming Mm-mm. media on the no, side. No, no, no. Um, you've been consuming, I think, yeah, Pikmin 4. It's the only video game I see noted here, so we might as well... This is how you distract me from dwelling on the fact that you're going to come over and murder me after this, after revealing your psychopathic tendencies, uh, is by getting me to talk about I Pikmin. I mean, why why, why do you think that doing that would lead to murder is your prerogative? I, if anything, I would assume Show that someone that does that. Show me evidence it doesn't. I know that's the worst type of counter argument. Show me evidence it doesn't lead to someone just being a bigger gift giver. Actually, sure. You want that to be the reality? Sure, I'll take bigger gifts. Sure. That works. Yeah. Happily. All right, I take back everything. You're not a sociopath. You're a very giving man. You're going to give me the best gifts. But yeah, that so aren't murder. And disappointing realization that it's not true co-op. Yeah, okay, so... Which yeah. is not a factor for you. No, you it's not, but I get what you mean. Because th- the thing with Pikmin, though, is, like, it is... They always keep moving things... Like, it always feels like a numbers game in a way, right? Like, not... not. Um, I mean, obviously, you're managing Pikmin in large numbers, so you got numbers. But I mean, like, as a series, it feels like Pikmin's always one where they're trying to, like, add and subtract and move things, and co-op was what kind of got stuck this time. Because, like, if... It's almost like Nintendo's managing the game, I guess, like like how you would your Pikmin. Like the first had the time limit, and then the second removed the time limit, but then put in underground caves. And then the third got rid of those caves, but put in like this fruit juice thing, which is kind of in between having a time limit and not having a time limit, like a progress thing. And then, you know, they had the captains in the gamepad, but then they got rid of all that. And now the fourth one has it back down to one captain, but they brought back the caves, but they removed the fruit juice, but they now have some, like, RPG, like, diet RPG vibes with Ochi and upgrades, and yet they ditched the full co-op experience, like you're saying, which I know you definitely aren't a fan of. Uh, it's just it's it's just interesting how this series doesn't just, like, move forward. It, like, zigzags all over the place. And I think what's kind of interesting is that if you kind of, from my experience picking four so far, if you kind of look at how they try to balance all this, how it manages its resources, if you want to put it in Pikmin-ese, uh, I, I get the I get the distinct vibe that Nintendo is trying to appease every type of Pikmin player they can, except for maybe the co-op ones. Angel, you got left out in the cold, I think. But in terms of, like, everyone else, it really feels like this game is trying to find, like, the balance between all the other Pikmin. And I, I think it does it pretty well. I mean, like, if we start with, like, I don't know, the, the environments, I guess. We could talk about that. Like, there's no time limit. There's no juice collecting. Um, it's just, like, you, your Pikmin... Ochi, you're out exploring as long as you see fit, as long as there's daylight. Uh, but it's it has like kind of a more approachable vibe. Like it 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 feels more approachable for casual folk. It allows Nintendo to kind of ease you into some of your systems without feeling overwhelming. There's not like resources you can collect out in the world to craft new items for your captain. And the the resource collecting feels a little reminiscent of like the fruit from Pikmin Three. It's not limiting you in any way, but just the idea that you have to find this stuff in the world and bring it back. Um, and you'll, you'll want to get some of those resources. Like you need a headlamp at one point, but you can move at your own speed in doing so. A lot of the items don't even seem to be required. Like it just feels on one hand, like it's kind of this more casual, easygoing Pikmin. But then if that's not your speed, if you like, like Pikmin kind of more fast paced, tighter action, you've got the underground caves again. And so far in my experience, uh, that's where the challenge actually lies. Like, like kind of in the past, the caves, you know, the layouts are multiple levels. There's puzzles. There's enemies all crammed into these really small spaces where you have to micromanage and move quickly. And while it doesn't, like, it doesn't have an actual time limit, 
um, but you do need to move quickly because it very often gives the same sense of like needing to be on your toes at a time that it used to get used to give. But again, like this is kind of where Nintendo needs to be trying to better balance everything, for lack of a better term. Like, so if you want that challenge of the underground caves, it's there for the taking. But if you need an assist, you can also use this like rewind feature they add. So the game now has a literally it's called rewind. It essentially serves as a little baked in checkpoint system. So um, I'm sure some Pikmin purists are going to write this thing off. And I've even been using it sparingly, much to my own surprise. Um, but for those coming in from the breezier, like above world Pikmin 4 experience and wanting that in these more challenging little underground segments, there's a way to do it. Nintendo gives you a way to do it without necessarily taking away from the vibe the underground is able to recreate for the like more purist Pikmin fans. And that is what I've noticed is kind of the push and pull of the whole thing with Pikmin 4. And I think it works really well. Um, you know, at, at least from my time with it so far, everything seems... Everything they added that makes it easier for some people has an out for people who prefer it harder. Everything they added that feels kind of like a new thing for Pikmin has an out that kind of feels like an old thing for Pikmin. Like, even the camera angle. Uh, like, I totally like they, they dropped, I'm sure you guys noticed, they dropped the camera angle down. It's more your, like, boots on the ground. I think it's really cool, personally. It does a really I good... I think that was the first thing they revealed, yeah, right? Yeah, it was, like it was the, like, yeah. Look at Pikmin 4 and look at our new camera. You're right over the shoulder. It's like a third-person game now. And I actually, like I started saying, I do really like it. Like, I think it does a great job of letting you see all the details of the world, of which there are numerous. Like, the game looks great, um, handheld and docked. Um, but it also kind of makes you feel like you're, like, really more directly in the action, since, you know, we are back to controlling a single captain that represents you, the player, and that captain actually is customizable for the first time. So it really can be you, how you want to be in the game, uh, with limits, of course. But so I, I kind of see, like, the lower camera plus the customization. I see what they're going for. But if you do want more of a Pikmin, like, purest experience with the zoomed-out camera, you can reposition the camera. You just zoom it back up, and you can basically go right back to the old way of playing it with no problem. So, like, that's another example of how they kind of, like, they change something, but it's, you still like it the old way. You can, you can have it the old way. Or, like, Ochi, for example. Um, I think he's a super fun addition in a lot of ways. Um, you can earn and use these things called pup points. They're basically XP uh, to have him then learn various skills. This is, like, also like an RPG-like element they add to the game. Uh, but he's also, use, also useful if you want to transport Pikmin through water or bust through walls of certain materials. Or if you want to use his charge attack to hit enemies, that's super satisfying. Uh, but in terms of his role in, like, your resource management, what I started to sort of piece together as I was playing is that he is your companion captain. He's a furry Louie, essentially. Because, like, over time, you're actually able to designate a lot of what you would do with a second captain to Ochi. Even plucking other Pikmin is a skill he can learn. He can learn to pluck Pikmin like you would with a captain. Which also means that, again, kind of this whole push and pull thing, you can choose to manage Ochi how you would a second captain. So if you want to be more hands-on or less, that's fine. It's literally like replacing the one-button swap of Olimar and Louie, which is having Olimar jump onto Louie. Like, that's basically the difference. So it's a little different gameplay-wise, but, like, you know, if you want to use Ochi's abilities, which do make the game a little easier and more streamlined, you know, hop land with your Pikmin, and he can wait through water, he can move through terrain faster, uh, he attacks enemies with more punch, etc. Like, you can do all that, but again... It's like Nintendo's finding the balance for different types of players. You can use Ochi fully. You can just use him for Ochi-specific tasks that are required by the game. Just like how you could kind of juggle your captains however you want. You can juggle him with your character any way you see fit. There's no, like, right or wrong way to do it, per se, which I think, again, kind of, you know, they're, they're, Nintendo really seemed to be trying to thread that needle. They have new items you can craft. I mentioned you collect resources. Um, 
These two kind of feel optional. There's emergency kits to revive you if you're knocked out. There's these one-time bombs you can throw to destroy enemies. There's elemental things. Like if you don't have any ice Pikmin with you, you can have an ice blast to simulate the effect of freezing the enemies that the Pikmin could do. And again, you can craft these. You can use these. Or you cannot. Like they're not required, really. So at least so far, it seems like it's, you know, pick your pick your poison, pick your route, pick if you want to be more of a true old school Pikmin or kind of this newer, more elaborate, maybe a little easier Pikmin. Um, and I should probably stop and clarify when I said easier. I'm I'm coming from a perspective where I don't mind Pikmin not being difficult. I didn't feel the way about Pikmin 3's difficulty that I know like you did, Angel. Uh, so maybe these things that seem easy to sidestep to me aren't enough to truly get like maybe you can't sidestep them as easily if you're looking for that pure difficult experience but since i'm kind of just like loosey-goosey with them it doesn't matter to me but i do think they contribute to this broader sense that pikmin 4 so far just feels like a very like comprehensive well-rounded package just trying to hit as many marks as possible like they have this like uh actually here's a good example they have this new thing called dendori battle trying to hit as many marks as possible but ends up hitting none in the process no because i think it's doing it well all of them but, <laughs> know, but mr cynical no but here's a good example of what i mean um so they have this new thing called dendori battles they showed them in the nintendo direct but to real quick essentially what they are is you're racing against an opponent each of you start with a set number of pikmin to see you know who can basically collect the most weight in treasure and in enemy carcasses i guess uh within a set time frame so it's kind of like pikmin 2's two-player mode except there's no item roulette wheel in my mind pikmin 2's two-player mode is still peak pikmin multiplayer but you know this isn't bad uh but this sort of mode dandori or anything similar would always be an isolated thing in pikmin right like you have your story mode then you have this or whatever the multiplayer is they actually have worked this into the story mode it's not just a standalone mode you encountered endori battles against like ai opponents inside story mode similarly uh there's this new nighttime mission thing it kind of plays out like horde modes so basically you need to collect um as many glow pikmin as you can before enemies enter a frenzy state and then they you know swarm uh and this again not an off off on the side little mode baked into story mode integrated with story mode like it just feels the whole thing from all different options of how you can approach it and how you manage and what the different features are and even camera and stuff like that like all of it being in one comprehensive package just feels like it feels i don't know it feels like nintendo's covering every angle every gameplay idea every type of player all in kind of like one pikmin experience and maybe except for what i want except co-op except the, co-op but and and because the funny thing is hmm, go ahead oh because like you mentioned endori battles um which look very similar you know to the bingo battles they're you know, basically or, you know. they're very similar but without the yeah. Bingo element. yeah 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 those were easily my least favorite part of the game and the part that like i actively wanted to avoid playing because i just never found them fun and to know that they're part of the campaign is almost like, ah, oh, damn it, really? But <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, they're not they're not heavily it, there so far. But I've had a few. Yeah, yeah it, it's a shame because I did I do feel Pikmin three was like the epitome of like Pikmin control, and I know I've said this many many times again, but I think like with the Wiimote specifically, Wiimote nunchuck and the gamepad, like it, by that point, it was just hard to go back just because of the way they integrated them into Pikmin three so well, right? And I I mean I guess how are you controlling this game? Are you using normal controller, like double Joy-Con, normal controller? Normal well, controller? I I was playing more and I've been playing more in handheld than docked, so I've basically been using the two Joy Cons on the side. But I've been treating any you know, kind two of sticks. gyro. No, actually, I have not used any gyro, which I guess is good because you know, like obviously when I fell in love with Pikmin, it was 
on the GameCube days during Pikmin yeah. 2, which was just controller. And, you know, it's fine. It's just like, you know, like once you get the good stuff, it's kind of hard to go back. <laughs> I haven't used the gyro. Yeah. There are a few things they're trying to address. Like, obviously, the game pa- You know, I was saying this is a comprehensive package, and they're covering it from every angle with every gameplay idea for every type of player. You know, I was saying all that over and over, and I think... In many ways they are, but there are, you know, there is no co-op. There are shortcomings in not having a gamepad. Um, I think the reason I'm not noticing as much or caring as much because I'm more of a casual player who's utilizing all these options and features and stuff. So I'm I'm finding it to be all pluses while someone who's looking for more of either a challenge or a co-op or the gamepad setup might see these as more negatives. But they are trying to weave some stuff in. So, like, there's if you look at the map, there's now a button that instantly faces your character to where that thing on the map is. Like, it will, it tries to, like, give you shortcuts to get around the fact that you don't just rarely always have this map full screen at the ready to navigate. So, like, that's, like, you tip, tap a shoulder button and it spins you around and you're facing the right way when you come out of the map. And it's minor and it's not the same, but it's, like, I don't want to call it an olive branch to the gamepad purist, but it kind of feels like that's what they're trying to do. It's like, well, listen, we we're going to give you the best we can, the closest we can get. And that may be a better way to describe it. Like, for me, like I was saying, because I'm more casual about it, I'm like, oh, these are all great additions. This is all great. I love the balance. I love how you can choose to do this or that, whatever. But maybe it's more like they're finding the best little olive branches they can extend wherever possible to bring in every type of Pikmin player. And maybe not all of them hit. Like I said, for me, it's more pluses and minuses. It's more pros and cons. But, like, that might be a better way to describe the game now that you're, you know, saying your point that, yeah, it's it's more like they're trying to keep every player as happy as they can be within the limitations of what, Pikmin on a Switch can be. If that makes sense. Yeah, and all things considered, like, I'm sure it's a finely crafted single-player experience. I'm definitely still looking forward to playing it, but it definitely went from play immediately to I'll play it when I play it. Right, right. And I mean, like, Tears of the Kingdom. Like, I still don't know when I'm going to get around to that one. I haven't even purchased it. Still sometimes playing Metroid Prime once in a while before it's like i play it for a while until i just kind of get annoyed with the controls which i guess because the game is so short like you think i'd get used to the controls by now but the fact that i still randomly turned to a morph ball uh, <laughs> by accident right like yeah it, it's just really fighting muscle memory but you know it's like i've been in the game before so i'm not in a rush to beat it but because i'm only playing it in little bite-sized chunks it makes it harder for me to retain you know the actual yeah, control. That muscle memory point makes me wonder, like, how much of me saying, oh, it's, like, bridging all the Pikmin... Like, is Pikmin unique in that because Nintendo keeps changing kind of a lot of the core of it? Time limit, no time limit. Caves, no caves. Gamepad, no game. Like, is it kind of, like, maybe what Pikmin 4 is doing helps. so well... No, as I said, maybe what's doing, it's doing so well and why I'm liking it so much and their approach with it is they're able to capture, like what you remember about each Pikmin. Like, maybe they don't have the nitty-gritty, but, the, like, the over... Like, the broad brushstrokes. You know, like, like you... I know we used to talk about... You used to always reference how, like, Luigi's Mansion on GameCube, you remember it one way and you go back and play it and it looks visually very different, right? Like, maybe they found a way to sort of thread the needle between all the touchstones of what you think of when you think of Pikmin and sort of bridge that with a couple new ideas like Ochi and the RPG experience stuff and, you know, that sort of thing. Like, maybe that's actually where they're hitting the nail on the head for me is it's not so much the, itty, the nitty-gritty specifics of every Pikmin. It just feels like they're hitting the, like, touchstones of every Pikmin. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, it still has the, like, it's still... 
it still has all the charm. Like the it has the funny treasure descriptions. Like very early in the game, you find a Game Boy Advance SP that's called a Stone of Advancement. You know, stuff like that. Like the Pikmin themselves still feel as lively as ever. Like it really does. It just feels like the natural progression of Pikmin. I don't know, but yeah. And the more I think about it, I wonder if they just were really good at kind of being like, "This is the Pikmin you remember, right?" Even if it's not specifically what you Angel like Pikmin for, or what Joe Schmo like Pikmin Two for. They just kind of plucked the most popular ideas and sort of melded them into something new. Maybe that's what this actually is. I don't know. But it's fun. That's the take. My only complaint, very minor one at that, uh, the game has a lot of dialogue. Like, a lot. Like, like people talk a lot. There's, like, a bunch of captains. They all talk all the time. But besides that, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really enjoying the game. Ochi's amazing. Like, just a fun character. Really fun to say. Uh, the game's very pretty to look at. It was a long wait for Pikmin 4, but I'm finding it worth totally worth it so far, at least. So True. I forget that we have been looking forward to the game for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Mimo teased it, saying it was almost done in, like, 2015, and now here we are in 2023. Wait, so when did Pikmin 3 come out? I think 2013. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. They kept re-releasing old Pikmin, and then they gave us Hey Pikmin, and then they gave us Pikmin Bloom, so they've been keeping the franchise warm, but, like... This yeah. is this is the big push. Like I, I do wonder. I mean, they did announce. Yeah. Oh no! It's just that the that the Ice Pikmin and Ochi plushes will be released in Japan in September. And that's what I was about so to get at. Still be able to. This is the big push. So they can collect those. The yeah. the way Pikmin Four plays, and I'm saying like it kind of is more approachable. They still get they throw bones to the hardcore, but like they're trying to make it more accessible for those who want it to be. The way they're doing all this merch, the way they're doing all this marketing, the way they ported Pikmin 1 and 2 leading up to... This is Nintendo giving Pikmin the full court press. They're trying to take a B-tier franchise and make it A-tier. And I don't mean in terms of quality, I mean in terms of popularity. Like, they are going hard on marketing this thing. They are trying to make this the next big game. Um, they don't. You don't see them do this with a lot... You don't see WarioWare get this treatment. You don't see, you know... A lot of the lesser Nintendo actually, but they're really pushing Pikmin. And I, I, the more I think about it, the way the game is structured and built and the way it does try and become more accessible with stuff like a rewind feature or things like more casual exploration, but then just leave just enough to keep the core fans happy. Like, this is them mainstreaming Pikmin. This is them trying to make Pikmin a huge new thing, like a huge franchise on the scale of, like, Splatoon or something, at least. That's my guess. So, very fun, though. Very fun. Yeah, well, I guess on the other end of the spectrum, still video game related, I see... Oh, yeah, yeah, Twisted Metal was a thing. Well, the show with Will Arnett and... And Samoa Joe. Others. That's right. Before we hit that uh, uh video game thing, I want to give myself a little shout out. Uh, Uh, Because I finally hit Omega in Marvel Snap. Probably oh, the oh, most difficult nice. thing that I've ever done in that game. God, I hated it so <laughs> much. about to say my life. <laughs> no. Just, God, it was such a pain. I hated every second of it. But I finally made it. Congratulations. I'll you to infinite then. Uh, 20 more ranks. Oh, man. Yeah. You could do it. Wait. Oh, my God. These seasons go by really fast. If They're I about a month longer. Damn, that's pretty fast. Yeah. Oh, no, I should have guessed this as long as Hearthstone. So. Remember when a season 
by definition, was either a time of year or like a nine-month like stretch of television. And now a season is any time a game needs to change something. Like, it's like seasons are so... Yeah. Like, the term season, I guess it's just evolved, but it's interesting how, like, a month is a season. I used to... Gotta keep up, old man. I know. First, I'm complaining about people watching shows on TikTok, and I'm like, I remember when seasons had temperature changes. Yeah, I know. So old. So, so that you define that like nope, it's not a true season until the temperature changes. Well, no, the one that the one that actually bothers me isn't even when games use it because that's a new definition for a new medium, relatively speaking. It's when TV shows are like the Kardashians. Not that I watch, but I see Hulu promoted on their Twitter. It's on season four. It's been on Hulu for eighteen months. How are they on season four in eighteen months? Like what? That doesn't make sense. That's not what TV seasons are. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm old man yells at clouds, except why it's Pikmin. I'm like, change however much you want. So I'll be quiet. Or seasons in 18 months. Damn. Yeah, right? It's crazy. Makes no sense. But damn. Oh, what deck did you use to get to Omega, though? Or what was, like, the final stretch? Or was it a couple different decks? It's been a couple different decks. Uh, but the one that, like, put me over the edge was... um was uh, this mix of a Phoenix Force deck with a Nimrod deck. Uh, oh, that's the dude that when he dies, he duplicates himself, right? He duplicates himself on the other two locations from where you destroyed him. Mm. And then Phoenix Force uh, revives one of your cards and you can move him uh, each turn. Oh, damn. So yeah, so like if you destroy a multiple man and you revive him with Phoenix Force, that's two good turns where you could just move your multiple man around. Sounds like Move Deck's got some nice toys. A lot of people actually do not like Phoenix Force, which, I don't know, I think Phoenix Force is a pretty good card. I guess just people don't know how to properly use them, but whatever. Uh, uh, what's uh, Jason was actually uh, saw me go from one uh, cube. I, mm-hmm. I was one cube away from Omega, and then I lost it in an in, in eight-cube game. And I was so devastated. Jason I don't nobody. think I fully realized you were at the cusp of Omega when that happened. I thought you were just really bummed you lost. I didn't realize it was that because yeah, you were sad. It yeah, makes I much was, more sense now. I was destroyed. Yeah. And I think and I think yeah. I kept playing a couple of games after that, and I went all the way from eighty nine to like eighty six or something. You also like that. then took my phone and played on mine so you could feel better about yourself because I was so low level that you could just destroy. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, back to the other video game, uh, Twisted Metal. Uh, just randomly watch it on the Lark. I I just like had nothing to see yesterday or like nothing to play, and I remember that I paid like two dollars for a year of Peacock, and then like an extra like twenty bucks to upgrade it to the ad free version, which was Jesus. That's that's how they get you. <laughs> such a such a good deal. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but Damn, I I a good deal. I saw five episodes. Um, because they, I guess they just dropped the entire first season, uh, at the same time, but I saw the first five episodes and you know what? It's all right. It's not amazing, but it's like not egregious as some of those trailers made it look. Um, as far as my knowledge into Twisted Metal, uh, I've played a couple of the games. I played a lot of Twisted Metal Black on the PS2. I don't know if you guys ever played Twisted Metal. I, Jason absolutely never has. That's correct. I'm a, a vigilante lot of metal man. Two, two is like the one I played the most, and then a little bit of three and four. 
Was there three? I guess four was on the Twisted Metal plaque. And and let me tell you about Vigilante 8. No, wasn't Twisted Metal 4 Twisted Metal 4? It was on PlayStation 1. I think they just went up to three and then Twisted Metal. Maybe? I gotta check. Uh, I'm Googling it right now. I could be wrong. I did not know that that they went all the way up to four. You know what's easier to remember? Vigilante 8, when they then made Vigilante 8-2. Which they could have called sixteen, they didn't. They could have called ten, they didn't. What are you talking about? Vigilante eight, the <laughs> knockoff, <laughs> the knockoff of Twisted Metal that Activision made for all the other systems is on Dreamcast, is on N sixty four. You could drive as a school bus with guns, you know, totally normal stuff. Have you never heard of Vigilante eight? I've never heard oh, of that. It's that straight up Twisted Metal, but not someone. I think one of the ultras in Vigilante was like a disco ball and I someone think. used like a beehive. It was like literally the most egregious, like, I'm not Twisted Metal, but I want to be type of game. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, well, I'm not <laughs> going to talk about the Vigilante 8 adaptation. Um, you can find that on, I'm trying to think of what lame service would have that. Pluto? I don't know. Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Which I forgot to cancel my subscription for <laughs> after watching School of Rock, and now I'm stuck with another month. So, thank you for funding their. Uh, thank you for funding their free drinks at Comic Con. Oh, you can watch uh, the entire Scream series on Paramount Plus. Scream, Screams oh, one through six. No, also Zoe one hundred and two. If you're a fan of Zoe one hundred and one and Jamie Lynn Spears, the sequel movie is out now. Hmm. Anyway, Twisted Metal. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the only the only one that I played like extensively was Twisted Metal Black back on the PS2, and. Those are, I don't know what genre of game, vehicular combat games, I guess would be yeah. the only way to describe it. It's almost like a battle, like, uh, sort of a battle royale uh, at some points. Um, almost like one of the, one of the very first battle royales, to be, to be honest with you. Uh, so I'm not sure how closely this adapts the lore, because apparently Twisted Metal had, does have, like, extensive deep lore. Um, so I'm not sure how closely this follows the lore. Uh, Anthony Mackie plays the main character. He plays an amnesiac named John Doe. Uh, the girl from Brooklyn Nine. Stephanie Beatrice. 19, Stephanie Beatrice. Yeah, she's also uh, another main character. Uh, and in the show, Anthony Mackie plays what is called a milkman, where he's essentially uh, Norman Reedus in Death Stranding. Where he delivers packages from like mega city to mega city, uh, because within the show, twenty years ago, some I guess like all the computers, it was essentially Y two K. All the computers went haywire, and uh, the entire world just went to crap. So, like these mega cities just put walls around themselves and let all the outlaws and bad people live on the outside. And so Anthony Mackie has uh, his vehicle named Evelyn. Uh, with guns attached, and pretty much all the vehicles in the show have guns attached, similar to the to the game. Uh, one issue that I do have with it is there's not a lot of vehicular combat for a Twisted Metal show. There is some sprinkled around throughout the first five episodes that I saw. For all I know, there is more later on. Uh, but there's not enough there for me to actually call this like a Twisted Metal show. Aside from that, there are characters from the game in here. I think Officer Stone is one of the characters uh, who drives around a police car. And of course, Sweet Tooth is in the show. Uh, voiced by, as you said, Will Arnett, but portrayed by Samoa Joe. And 
I'm kind of disappointed that he's introduced very early, but he's also, I guess, let go of very early. Spoilers for the show. I, I think he's in, he's heavily featured in episode three, and I don't remember him being featured in episodes four or five that much. Hmm. Um, he's the center of all that, the marketing, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, it is what it is. Um, I saw the, I saw him twerk at Comic Con. That was a thing. The show is showran and written by the Zombieland guys, um, who I really like those guys. They also wrote uh, the Deadpool movies. Um, like visually, it doesn't look, it doesn't look cheap. It it, it does look cheap every now and then, but not incredibly cheap. But it also has this sheen on top of it, which I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like. It's almost like it's a 45 frame a second show, which is really, really unnatural. Now, it might be my TV, but I turned motion smoothing off, so I doubt it's that. Um, I don't know. That's, hmm. that's something that, that I just can't like see past, which is very weird. Uh, the comedy is like hit or miss, which is typical of these guys. Like, If you've seen Deadpool, there's definitely jokes in that movie that don't hit. Same with uh with Zombieland and especially Zombieland Two, which I wasn't too fond of, but I love the first as one. Not as the first, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know, the the action is serviceable. Uh, there's there's some weird B plots that I'm not too fond of, but like the main A plot of uh Anthony Mackie having to essentially go from San Francisco to Chicago and back. Uh, there's enough there for me. With the comedy, the action, um, the the like non vehicular action, uh, for me to probably go back and finish up this uh, series, it's it's not that bad honestly. Um, I the marketing for this show was not the best. Um, yeah, talk about failed marketing. <laughs> oh, and then uh, <laughs> and then too many needle drops, way too many, just an egregious amount of needle drops in the episode. Um, when done right, the needle drops are fine. Like, uh, there's an Oasis song right in the first episode, which is actually like really, really fun. Um, but aside from that, there's just way too many other needle drops that sort of kill the vibe every now and then. Um, but that just may be me because I'm not the biggest fan of needle drops when done correctly. Like the way that James Gunn will do it in, you know, his movies, they're they They can be fantastic, but I don't know. It, it almost feels like hey we pay for this music we're gonna use it in the show um Speaking for all i know of, it's all like sony music for all i know what is the deal with the thong song and this show do you know i don't uh i don't but they haven't referenced it yet from what you've seen no yeah yeah it's it's exactly that clip from huh. uh have you seen the clip i've seen the clip and i've seen the song i mean yeah that that that's that's it that's 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 literally just it yeah there's there's like no rhyme or reason to it it just is there because they they made that That, that's why i said like the the, like the needle drops aren't don't make creative they're they're literally just needle drops it's not like you know the no sleep till brooklyn right uh part from guardians 3 or or uh any of the other needle drops there that are like thematically from the mario movie Peacock, home of all the needle drops. Mario movies on their layer this week. I'm telling you, I, so. I'm willing to bet that, that all these artists are, are Sony artists. 
probably or or something. Um, yeah, yeah, because they made the the thong song like the centerpiece of their marketing. So that's interesting that it doesn't really have a greater role. Yeah, like I said, when uh, the needle drop in the first episode for that uh, Oasis song, I think uh, Champagne Supernova, it's like done really, really well, uh, especially with the visuals that they show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then, like I said, I guess the Thong song one isn't as much as a needle drop as some of the other egregious times that they will needle drop Mm -hmm. a song. Um, But like I said, yeah, it's still, aside from that, that, that Champagne Supernova needle drop the other ones don't really have anything to do with whatever's going on on screen like there's no thematic importance to the needle drops but aside from that i'm i'm digging the show like i said i'm gonna finish it you just gotta watch i i had no intention of watching it then they did the stuff at comic-con i was like well they gave me ice cream (laughs) so i was like you're way way too easy of a mark I really am. I really am. a sucker. Yeah, well, okay, I should be fair. Oh. Hold on. Wait, we need... We I mean, need you might as well jump into Let's all the... Let's defend myself. Like, Let's might, defend you myself. Might, you might as well go watch just... The Haunted Mansion. I may at some point. But no, let, let me defend myself. It wasn't just ice cream they gave me. They brought out Cisco, and he played the thong song live in front of me. Unbeknownst to me, that was going to happen. So, like, I am an easy mark, but they brought out Cisco, and he did his crazy dance moves from the music video. Like, 15 feet in front of me. So, yeah, of course I have to owe them the song. I mean, the show. I don't know. But that was pure Comic-Con mm-hmm. randomness right there. That was... I mean, at that point, you may as well go into the rest of Comic-Con. Yeah, well, I want to cut off Kevin if he's... If no, that, that's he's... all I got to say. That's all I got to say about... Should we get into Comic-Con then? You were there with me, in fact. Not at Cisco. Uh, that was my special moment that I had with started the off. Dragon. I got to go to the kitchen real quick. Uh, sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Comic-Con. Um... That's what I love about Comic-Con, actually. The fact that I went to go get some ice cream courtesy of Twisted Metal, and then out comes Cisco, who does a 20-minute set, sings the thong song, and then halfway through the song brings up Sweet Tooth, or a guy pretending to be Sweet Tooth, and Sweet Tooth twerked and danced with his backup dancers. Like, what more do you need from Comic-Con? That's all I got. Thank you for your time. No, actually, in more, in more seriousness, uh, Angel, I think, in a way, you picked a good year, and in a way, you picked a weird, a weird year to be gone. Because I think going into this year's Comic Con, um, which, as you noted, we've been going to for a decade, uh, there were a lot of questions going into this year's show about what exactly a convention would like be. As in, like the show already was kind of coming out of a pandemic funk. Last year felt like most of the major players were, I don't know, like tiptoeing back into what like a post COVID convention would look like. In terms of offsites, in terms of like bigger brand activations, there was cool stuff, but a little less of it, a little less like randomness. But then this year, you had kind of the uncertainty of that and the threat and then reality of the WGA and the SAG after strikes, meaning that a lot of major players were either being very tepid, either by choice or force, uh, in terms of panels, in terms of celebrities' appearances, in terms of news, and potentially an association with all that in terms of what the offsites could be, right? Um, and I think first off, I was saying this before when we were talking about the strikes, but I think if this Comic-Con sucked because the writers and actors needed to go ensure that they get their fair share for their work, then Comic-Con should suck. Like, even if this Comic-Con turned out to be a barren wasteland, I'd rather have that this year and know that in future years when we come back to nerd out and celebrate their work, their work is there to nerd out and celebrate. So, uh, like, it, it, it would have been fine. But fortunately... 
I feel like a lot of this Con-Con felt actually surprisingly normal, almost a return to form even. Like, yeah, if you were there to just do, like, the AAA panels in Hall H or see the entire MCU cast or whatever, that was missing. If you enjoy sort of wandering around the show floor and never knowing who you might bump into, which I used to do all the time, there was less of that. That was less of a thing this year, just due to the lack of star power at the show. But I think, like, Comic-Con gained back a vibe that wasn't as full force last year. There's a lot of cool off-sites, some actually good free item giveaways, good swag this year, multiple parties, pop-up restaurants, and just this thing that was really missing last year, there's just this feeling of you never know what could happen around you. Like, maybe not in the celebrity sense, but Gas Lamp Quarter, you know, right across the street from the convention center, that always felt like the most fun when there were just random things going on. Like, sci-fi would bring a marching band, and they'd walk down the street playing Mario music, or there'd be, like, random street teams giving stuff out, or dressed up in funny ways, or doing, like, being bellhops from, like, the Bates Hotel, you know, different things like that. And that felt the most lacking last year, and it was cool to see it come back in full force this year, be it, you know, I'm Cisco popping up when I'm just eating some ice cream and doing his set, or, like, Pet Cemetery. they did like a funeral procession down the streets, like just little things like that. It just, it. I think ultimately that's why I find so fun about Con Con. It's just like the whole downtown, the whole area becomes like this one big celebration, and you never know what that celebration will be of specifically. Like it's a lot like Coachella or a music festival in a way, where you you buy your ticket, you can make some educated guesses about who or what might show up, and maybe you're wrong and maybe you're right, but there's always something. Like this year, for example, Nintendo would have been a shoe-in for me, as assuming they'd be there. They've been there every year since we started going in 2011. They were completely absent. They were not there at all. There was no Mario movie merch anywhere, which did is weird. Did they give an explanation for that? Films. They did not. Um, they just were not there. I mean, I'm sure we could speculate about why. Like, the Nintendo Live next month, they don't have demos from E3 that they can just reuse, which is what they traditionally do. Last year, they brought their summer tour because it happened to be on the West Coast already. Like, they scheduled it as such. This year, the summer tour is somewhere in Texas still. There may have been other location timing commitments that made it so they couldn't get the tour to the West Coast in time. Who knows? But, yeah, Nintendo is missing. There's no Mario movie merch. That was a little weird. I would have assumed that would have been there. But my, my I guess my broader point is, you know, you never quite know what you're going to get. And I feel like in the end, for me at least... You're always going to end up having a fun time. There's always going to be cool experiences. There's always be something unique. There's always going to be something fun. Um, even on, like, the quieter show floors here, on Sunday, I was walking around with a couple of our friends, and we came across the booth of um, a guy named Larry Houston. Never knew this guy, like, who this guy was. But it turns out he produced and directed and basically created the X-Men animated series, as well as worked on everything from, like, Stag Shock to Captain Planet. Like, his his display was, like, 20 different shows from, like, the 80s and 90s. And it's it's cool. And... Uh, our friends, we stopped because they're big fans of the X-Men animated show. And he was doing, you know, he was signing some prints or whatever. But then he started telling us all this backstory of how, like, he and the team, you know, like, he was signing a Gambit print. He's like, yeah, you know what's funny about Gambit is, like, when Marvel made the character, we had to put him in the show, but they didn't give him a backstory yet. So we kind of, like, made a backstory as we went, and then Marvel, like, reabsorbed it back into the main, like, canon. And he's talking about that. He's talking about, like, the different Wolverine costumes the cartoon used and their origins and the different conks. Like, he was... This super nice guy, super passionate about the show that our friends were super into. And it was like one of those things where it's just like only at Comic-Con do you get a moment like that where you're like talking to the dude who watched it, who created the show that maybe you watched so much of as a kid and gets to hear all these like inside baseball stories about it. Um, and, and like it's stuff like that that makes it fun. Like who could have guessed that, you know, this same year there'd be like Samurai Showdown stage shows like 
FX brought that to promote their upcoming show, Shogun, or there's like a full, we won't call, comment on the quality of the food because I know it wasn't good, but there's a full like Sonic chili dog restaurant, like fully themed out. Uh, huh. Amazon, <laughs> the food was bad, right? <laughs> you ate food mine. Bad. I, yeah. I ate, I ate just hot dog. Yeah, he he did because I had to run back across the street. I was again the the the, the thing about Comic Con, everything's so compact that downtown feels so alive. Like so, we had the Sonic line to get the food across the street from the line to get into Freebie and Amazon's parties, and Freebie had a great party for jury duty. Uh, it was well themed. Had a bunch of like cool little things. You get caricatures of yourself, kind of like like you know like a court sketch room, courtroom sketch artist type of thing. Um, yeah, like, and those were across the street from each other. And that was down the block from two other things and around the corner from a Jimmy Eat World concert. And like, it was just like all this stuff was happening, like so close together that really just, it's, it's a cool experience, cool vibe. And I think, um, this year definitely felt like one of the, for me, like one of the lighter years in terms of the things at the con that overlap with my direct interests, uh, again, no Nintendo, but, but. But also, that's that's kind of beauty of it. Like, I still found myself having a really great time doing stuff like a Jurassic Park offsite, where you like pose on different recreations with like like iconic movement moments from the movie. There's the haunted mansion experience that you kind of referenced earlier, Kevin, where like you are and I referenced even before that, where you're like in the ride, not just riding the ride, like you're in a set piece from the ride. Hulu had a cool photo op thing where you could like sit on the Simpsons couch or at the Bob's Burger counter, and then they gave away some really nice swag in the form of collectible pins in this really nice box but more notably a really nice quality backpack that's made to look like it's 2d like it's from a cartoon actually the swag this year in general i thought was the best it's been in years like it was really solid paramount plus had like not just this off-site ski lodge thing with free food and drink but a whole like comic-con wide scavenger hunt where you could you scan different things and then you get like a nice little tote bag backpack like mini backpack thing from them uh, Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem had like tech deck style fingerboards with the logo, and if you came at the right time, they'd also give you free pizza. Uh, AMC had for the Anne Rice Immortal Universe, they did this whole like walk through New Orleans experience where you would end up getting little bags of sage or rosemary or mint to help fend off spirits. Like I mentioned, the characters at Jury Duty and Paramount Plus in their ski lodge had the same caricature thing, actually, which is kind of funny, but it was Star Trek themed. Point is, like, it really did feel like Comic Con of old, even without necessarily having the things that are like the shows i care about most or the celebrities that are most interesting or the panels that are most interesting like it was i thought it was a pretty good year and we got lucky with a lot of stuff too this year um like kevin when you walked into paramount plus just like not knowing there's a standby line oh yeah that, that was great yeah. we just we just we basically just walked in right through the front yeah, so, there, so no, one, no one stopped us or anything. Just for some quick uh, context for those listening, so Paramount Plus had this lodge I mentioned. You could either get tickets in advance with a set time slot or go stand in a standby line. Good little Jason over here went and stood at a standby line and held a spot for the rest of the group. I get a call from Kevin 30 minutes later like, hey, where are you? And I'm like, what do you mean, where am I? And you're just like, we're inside. Where are you? And you guys just like literally walked in like you owned the place and no one questioned you, right? Yeah, no one questioned us at all, which is which is hilarious. Yeah. And then the real luck came when they bad, first bad, then good. They then shut down the standby line because we went on an e in the evening and they were closing, and I was stuck outside. You guys were stuck inside, or you were inside, not stuck. And then you managed to sweet talk me in by making by pointing out my sad looking face off to the side, and they actually let me in, which was something. That's pretty funny. 
Yeah, it was quite an experience. I really thought I was screwed out of being able to get in. But, like, that was lucky. Um, the Good Omens party that Amazon threw, like, we were in the line with one type of ticket, and a couple of our friends had a different type of ticket. But they just sort of played dumb and managed to, like, basically get in with us with the priority ticket, even though they didn't have that ticket. Like, the Jurassic Park experience I was mentioning, that had, like, a crazy line where people were lining up, like, 6 a.m., told to come back at 2 p.m. Like, it was, like, this ongoing thing. You'd get a wristband. It's like, a 75-person line. It would be, like, hours of waiting. And then I just happened to see a tweet that's like, hey, there's no wait right now. So I walked over, walked right in, no wait. Like, there's times at Concom where just, like, the stars align just right for cool little moments like that where you could just sort of have the best experience. Or the Haunted Mansion thing. Like, that wasn't even announced, and it was just there. And it was, like, 25, 30-minute wait. Like, that, yeah, I don't know. Whenever I go to something like Con Con, I feel like I always try to soak in literally as much as possible, even at the expense of my health, in the case of getting COVID, or my, my poor, poor feet, which, uh, yeah, I blame the organizers. They didn't put carpet on the show floor this year uh, as a cost-saving measure. But, like, man, walking 45 miles in four and a half days and then not having carpet on your feet for a good chunk of that, it, it, it hurts. But, yeah, I just thought it was, like, a really fun year, even though it wasn't, like, the highlight year in terms of specific experiences that I wanted to do if that makes sense i mean how do you feel about kevin because you you had a, you moved at a different speed at comic con like you're kind of in i was in like boom 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 and you're definitely more like chill yeah and kind our, of curating. our <laughs> yeah our i don't want to say vibe i guess our speeds are completely different you like to like min max your experience at comic con i yeah. very much like to go with the flip um, yeah I think, like, there's one day where I, like, barely, like, I didn't do anything with you guys, essentially. <laughs> essentially. But that was because I was with a whole different other group of friends. Um, but, that, but to your point, going with the flow, like, your group of friends did X, so you went and did X. Our group of friends did Y, so then you went and do Y. And I'm like, no, I need A, B, and C, and D, and E. And I, like, ran away and didn't see you guys for six hours. Yeah, so. like, if, if, <laughs> if anything, I, I go down there to hang out more than I go to do the experiences and do the whole Comic-Con thing. Yeah. Which is because a totally it's... reasonable way to do Comic-Con. There's no right or wrong. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah, and like our hotel was basically right next to the convention center, which was really nice. Oh, um, we're so spoiled now. We were two doors away from the convention, or three doors? Three buildings away from the convention center. Seven-minute walk. Once you have that experience, even in a year where there's not a lot of stuff you're buying, oh, man, it's hard Even to though our beds are tiny know. as hell. Yeah, we had to share two queens that were not queens. Uh, there were four of us in the room, and I think it was like our, our beds were like, what, twin and a half, for lack of a better term? Yeah, like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. So it was very, very intimate evenings in It was like, <laughs> in our if, tiny we were to, bed. if we were to put the beds together, it was essentially the size of three twins. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. But it was so nice to be so close to the convention center and be like in the thick of it all. Like nothing was further than a 15-minute walk. And the gas lamp was right there. Yeah, it was a yeah. It was, really it was cool. Great. Um, the only thing that I pretty much just wanted to do was, uh, Jinji Ito. I, I apparently this was like his first like North American appearance. Um, and so I did. I for the first time in my life, I did the whole uh, you know, standby, standby line or standby in a line to possibly get selected to, uh, get an autograph. Um. And so, like, pretty much what I did for one of the show days, or the day before that he was going to do that, um, I was, like, scouring the show floor for anything Junji Ito so that I could get signed. Um, Elvis actually gave me 
um a little Uzumaki uh figure, uh like blind box figure that he got from Anime Expo. And it's the exact one that I would want from all the uh possibilities. But I didn't bring it with me because I didn't know that Jinji Ito was gonna be on the show floor. Um so I went around, I I actually bought a, a hardcover book for one of his works, uh Tomi, and it was apparently the guy's last one. And so I woke up like at six o'clock to join this line to then get a chance to uh get the book signed. You know, like meet him, take a photo, get the book signed. Fortunately, I, w- I wasn't picked. Um, I had essentially two chances to do it, or I had two days to do it. And one of the days I was just, uh, I had a long night of drinking, so I didn't make that, uh, that line. But like, regardless, like, it's nothing that I, that I regret. Right. Um, like I said, I'm not a whole like min max kind of person. The less I wait in line, the better. Um, so out of the experiences, like, out of the, the things that I did, all I did was the I'm D boat, um, which was cool. Which we got two one, free drinks, which and is some a snacks great name as well for the boat. I love that they call it the I'm D boat. It's so stupid, but so fun. <laughs> yeah, and then we did the uh, the uh, crap. What what is it? The the brewery? The AMC. The AMC. No, uh, not the AMC. Rice no, no, no. We did that. We did. Oh, that. you did the Voodoo Ranger. Yeah, the Voodoo the Ranger way. pirate ship. Yeah, that which was is a cool. Local brewery down there. For those who don't know. Yeah, that was cool uh, because I got uh, a good day buzz going because those beers are really, really strong. Um, yeah, I misjudged that day a little because that morning when you guys did that, I was like, I'm going to do the only merge in the building activation because I like that show. And it was a 20-second touchscreen tapping game, and then you get a random prize from a vending machine. That's it. Mine was two hours. <laughs> I didn't know that's what it was because no one knew what it was. Yeah. I got a stick always, of Selena You know you Gomez. could always ask. Yeah, um, but I was like, I thought the prize would be cool. I got a stick of, uh, actually the prize, I take that back. It's a little legit. Not for me, but for, for, for Rachel. It's uh, a stick of Selena Gomez's mascara or something, which is apparently like a $35 value, which by, in terms of swag value, oh, it's not even, that's it's, up there. So the prizes wasn't even like themed around the show? No, it came with an enamel pin of Only Murders, but because she's on the show, they did a partnership. So you could get one of – you did this little game, and then they spit out a prize, and the prize is not dependent on how you do in the game. And the prizes were all mystery boxes, and they kept it a secret, like don't tell anyone. So the small boxes were mascara and uh, Only Murders pin. The large boxes were like more show-theme-related stuff. Like you get a beanie like one of the characters had. You get a bottle that says gut milk, which is a drink from the show. That's like a running gag, like stuff like that. Um, but I didn't know. So while you guys were drinking it up, I was fortunately standing in the shade, but like waiting to get mascara that I didn't know I was gonna get. So oh, the uh, Yo, the weather was great too. Like it, it never got too too hot. the The hottest that it got was when we were waiting for three hours for that uh, <laughs> Anne Rice, and, the Anne Rice Immortal thing. Universe activation. Yeah, which I'm gonna say it here. I don't think I said it over there. Not worth it. Nope. I mean, I think one of the things that's interesting with Comic-Con, I feel like, is some of the activations are very clearly, like, if you have a passing knowledge of something, okay, you'll do fine. Like, if you know Jurassic Park, the photo ops, okay, yeah, those could be fun. But, like, something like what AMC was doing, like, it helps to know the show, to understand the characters a little. I had none of that. So it was basically, like, some actors, like, hey, you're in New Orleans, and, like, we're going to have you, like, do a few things where you talk to some people and try and, like, solve a mystery but with no touch point for, like, why you care, it kind of lost something. 
I would have been probably way more intuitive if it was like if I was a big fan of the show. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um Yeah. The actors did their thing. Like there's someone that sang, there's like the guy that gave a speech. Like they were they they were pulling their weight, but it just didn't ha- resonate. Um But yeah, like like I said, I, I I go there more for the vibes. Right. Then I go to Min Max, everything that I can do possible. Yeah. That's me um, with travel in general. I really like to like if I like I get antsy. Like if I and I know Angel, you and I were actually talking about this when you were talking about your Cancun trip, um when we were trying the other day, but like I can't just sit poolside for a couple of days. Like I do it for like a day and then it's like I wanna go explore, I wanna go see things, I wanna go like like when I was in Hawaii, it's like, Oh, yeah, this is really nice thing here, but can we go see like some other beaches? Like do you wanna go do the, like the the road to whatever it's called, like the the cool like scenic stuff? Could we could we go see some turtle? Like I'm just like boom 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 like I can't not that I can't sit yeah, still, it definitely but depends I definitely on it because I can agree with you on at least like the traveling part. But I feel like over the years with Comic Con, I've I've preferred more the right, let's just sit here a while, take our time, like uh, like you know, just kind of relax and just enjoy being there than trying to go to every single activation that is remotely relevant to stuff I like. Because even I stopped caring about going to a lot of those things. I mean. Yeah, like, I think the only thing I was excited about the last time I went to Comic-Con was the giant Bowser. And right. even then, I didn't even see it the first day. I was like, oh, I'll see it when I see it. It's like, it's and like, and that that was interesting because, for me, because there wasn't as many things that directly related to my interests, I, I, there were times where I was like, now what? Because I, like, boom, I, like, hit everything so fast. And I'm like, okay, now what? But then, like slowing down and like going through the show floor with like your brother angel with elvis on saturday like doing it again with our friends on sunday like i started finding all these little like hidden things on the floor i didn't know were there because i was like buzzing around so quickly trying to like do all the things so there is definitely something to be said for taking a breath and enjoying things as they come and yeah like i i i totally get where you're coming from with that yeah yeah but yeah i mean i guess that's comic con unless there's any other Anecdotes that we're missing, crazy uh, purchases. I got a magic harp made of mega blocks, twelve hundred mega blocks. It flops when you turn a crank. Yeah, those mechanical movement series. Like there's like a Pikachu that mm-hmm. runs. And a Gyarados, I believe. Seem interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to see what else they come up with. The magic harp will not be available for purchase outside Comic Con until October, I believe, which means I gotta build it sometime between now and then so I can be like, look what I have before it becomes readily available. Because obviously it's not about the, t- the thing itself. It's about me going, look what I have. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Which It would have been a great project while I was quarantining, that. but I did not do it yet. So, Well, I'm, I'm sure you'll definitely find some time. Yeah, yeah. No, well, it, it's, a, it's a little activity for the two of us here. Because like, we've built the Lego NES together. We built a, baby, uh, a Grogu together out of Legos. It, you know, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> While we were out in Comic Con, oh. this guy was at Congo Bongo or whatever it was called. <laughs> yeah, so Can't I was in really Cancun for a week. Um, nothing too crazy, you know. It's just a nice resort. Not really used to being at a place where everything is all inclusive. Like just the fact that we were able to walk up to a bar at like six a.m. and just get whatever we wanted for free. Yeah. Well, not for free, but you know, included. Basically till like 1 a.m. was kind of nuts and definitely took me a little while to get used to. Living the life. But, but did 
and I'm not gonna lie, that did kind of lose a little bit of charm pretty quickly. It just went from like, oh, let's get another drink, let's get another drink, to uh, I guess I'll get another one. Uh, no, I think I'll pass. I'll just get a water. To I, I think you know, I think the just lounge, and this is like to your point, Jason, like just chilling around and drinking definitely lost its appeal. If you were drinking and you know going to a specific event or doing something very specific, then that feel like that'd be more interesting. Which we did do a couple things of. Like we had some planned events, so it was still very, very fun. But I definitely I I think it's just boring. I just got bored of just sitting in a lounge chair for after an hour. And this was all, of course like after catching up with family that I haven't seen in forever, which was obviously very great. But of course, um Outside of like just the beautiful landscapes that I did see in some islands or or just being on a boat, I think the standout in just sheer weirdness has to be Coco Bongo, which I described to Jason as like Hollywood Boulevard the musical. Um because it's just so weird and random. It's like they just took it's not even random IPs, just like things that I guess were popular at a certain point and things that are popular now and I guess because either I guess Cancun is too small potatoes for these big companies like Disney or Fox or whoever owns them to step in and do anything about it or maybe copyright laws is different that they can't touch them but I think it's is, the latter it's it becomes too much of a hassle in the courts but essentially Coco Bongo is a nightclub that feels more like a show like you go in i think we get in like at eight and we were there till like i think 1 a.m and also completely open bar at the club as well which definitely made the show very very entertaining but yeah like one second like to start at the entrance there's a giant statue of spider-man with a sign dangled around his neck like welcoming you to the coco bongo as well as a lot of statues of the mask as in like jim carrey's the mask and, you know, this big fire of, like, I mean, poster-sized things of, like, Darth Vader and Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson. And as they're entering the, they're entering the, the club, you go up to this, like, escalator. And then you see, like, Britney Spears and a bunch of just, like, pop artists just from, like, different decades. Until you enter, like, the main area. And then you're just kind of sitting there. You're having your drink. Then the lights dim. And then... You know, there's a, I guess like a, yeah, like a little person dressed as the mask, um, surrounded by a bunch of scantily clad women and a bunch of men. And then they carry him and they do like the, the coffin dance from the meme. Cause I guess that's just like how it starts. And then they kind of break it into a bunch of like song and dance numbers. And then after like this person, the lights go down and then suddenly it's Pirates of the Caribbean, except people are like in, like cables and being like suspended and doing like these crazy like acrobatics and like then Cirque du Soleil status. Basically, like there's a lot, there's basically a lot of Cirque du Soleil stuff in here, and then the lights dim, and then you get and it, I'm not even gonna go anymore because I don't remember what order it was, but then you get like a tribute to like Michael Jackson and the lights dim, and then you get like a Cirque du Soleil 300 tribute because 300 of all things. Like the movie, guess, like, like yeah, like, like this, is, like this is Sparta, yeah. Huh. Jesus Christ! Like there were, <laughs> like there were 
Like people dressed as like Spartan warriors with their shields dangling upside down, doing like what felt like abstract uh avant garde. I guess ballet avant garde. <laughs> like interpretive movements. dance. Like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Interpretive, yeah, like interpretive Cirque du Soleil, and then that dims, and then you get basically a reenactment of the finale of No Way Home. You have like three different Spider Men wearing the three different suits fighting a Green Goblin, and also in Cirque du Soleil status, which was very entertaining, actually kind of cool. I mean, I'll give them credit that all these Cirque du Soleil style dances and even just the performances themselves were very thought out. And very well done, despite the crazy mishmash of IP. There's, like, no flow. And, you know, and then you go into, like, a Queen tribute. And then you go into, like, a... I guess you go into the proper The Mask tribute, where he does the... I guess the Maraca Cheeky Boom dance. And then, you know, Beetlejuice comes out, and then he's doing this crazy dance thing. And then suddenly they start blasting I Want It That Way with... A giant projections of NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Boys, one of those. Backstreet Boys. Yeah, and then like they have like the whole crowd like singing to it, like it's just you're you're also leaving out. It, it's indescribable. You're, it's so crazy, and then in the place itself, like you know, besides selling like their official merch includes, you know, the mask wearing Coco Bongo, like attire, and even the restrooms. Like you're literally like. You know, the urinals are giant, like, uh, you know, the the Rolling Stones kiss mouth. Like, you're urinating into those. Just oh, into the, the mouth lips. with the tongue sticking out? Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, you sent me. Okay, so um, full disclosure, Angel was basically one man live blogging this to me as it was happening. Uh, I think I was at the jury duty party when he was doing it. So we were both enjoying libations. Uh, but he was he was sending this to me as it was happening, and you're leaving out a key thing, Angel, which it wasn't just they were doing this. It was a multi-story stage. So, like, there's a center stage, which was, like, eye level, but then there's, like, a second-floor balcony that had screens running, like, up and over it into the ceiling that had, like, other stuff going on. Like, it was, like, above you, yeah, below you, beside crazy, you. It was everywhere, it looked like. Because basically, people, you could completely surround the center stage, but right above the bar, that's, like, where there's, like... More of a normal stage with the screen behind it with a curtain that also gets things projected onto it. And yeah, they went, they did a bunch of ABBA, they did, you know, like I mentioned, the Queen. Also, just like nondescript person doing the robots, but in a very crazy way. And then also, just more like Cirque du Soleil stuff, like a lot of, a lot of, well, not confetti, but like. A lot of paper cannons, like, you were pretty much bombarded with paper so often, like, shredded paper. It looked cool, but you had to, like, basically have a, your hand over your drink half the time. Because otherwise, yeah, you just get paper on your on your drink. But, yeah, they had a bunch of the, you know, the camera that they would, like, point at random people. And then they would dance. Or, I guess if you paid enough, you could go into the second floor and be a performer where they would sometimes grab people and... Yeah, you can kind of tell those were the normal people, but it was, it's quite the show. If you, and I don't recall it being that expensive, I think for it being like completely open bar and for how crazy, I think it was 70 bucks. What? I want to say. Kevin, we went to the wrong Comic-Con. This is truly the real Comic-Con. 
70 to 80, I want to say it was. I could be completely wrong. I didn't pay for it, but that's just kind of what I recall it costing. But yeah, I mean, literally, like, I think at one point, like, a woman goes up on stage next to the mask and he literally gives her, like, a handle pool of, like, tequila just, like, on stage. But yeah. Yeah, Coco we went Bongo, to the wrong Comic Con, uh, the more I hear, the more I realize. Definitely one of the craziest nightclubs. Definitely one of the few places where I don't mind that it's so loud because, you know, you got the open bar, you got the very entertaining performances. It's just, it's crazy. It felt like no holds barred kind of deal. But, yeah. But, I mean, that's, yeah, that's all I got for Coco Bongo slash We're not Cancun. Are, are we able to top that this episode? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I think that's it. You can't yeah, top that. Yeah, if you ever end up in yeah, if you ever end up in Cancun, give Coco Bongo a check. Um, I don't you. Yeah, it'll it'll be an unforgettable experience. That's that's probably the the safest way to. Qualify it was secondhand unforgettable, just from the videos you sent me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's all we got. I guess I'll leave the housekeeping to Jason because sure. I love it keeps changing. I love, like I love and, housekeeping. All right. Yes, things do keep changing. So if you want to make sure you don't miss a lot of changes, if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, but also not, uh, to make sure you don't miss an episode of Random Ner- Random Earn Nintendo as we're back on our hopefully every two-week grind, you can uh, subscribe to us in your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on uh, TuneIn. We are not going to be on Stitcher much longer because Stitcher will not exist much longer either – Shut down two days ago or shutting down at the end of August? I don't remember. So RIP Stitcher, it's been real. You can also find us on Twitter, which I'm still calling Twitter, at Ram Nintendo. It's now called X by its owner, but in my heart and hopefully yours, it will always be Twitter, but we're still there. We're not yet on threads as an entity. I was about to ask you, when are we going to get on threads? We probably should. Uh, We're not yet, but we probably will be soon. Uh, And then as the threads account? Do you want to? Wow, that got real quiet. I mean, you could. Anyway, so we'll have a Threads account oh, in the future. What? I said, do you Maybe want you to? And then you... I oh. said, do you want to? And there's no answer. Your mic's messing up. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. Yes, Threads. Soon. But for now, you can find us on Twitter slash, nope, not calling it X. You can find us on Twitter at Ramtown. You can find us individually on Twitter at JSR7 for myself. Wero, who doesn't use it anymore, W-E-R-R-O underscore O. Kevin at KVN. Gomi, you can yeah, also use that so, for threads and something. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. You could also just go straight to threads. I cross post all my stuff. Angel's only on there. I don't, Kevin, you seem to kind of cross post. So I am um, JSR7 on threads. Angel is. Wait, which one are you using on threads at this point? Wero or World? Wero. Okay. Well, Wero is what I'm using for my normal. Normal stuff. You, you make it very complicated. So Angel has multiple ways to follow him. If you want written <laughs> word. W-E-R-R-O underscore O on Twitter. I mean, on threads with occasional pictures. If you want pictures with occasional words, follow World of Wearos, no underscore O, but with an S, on Instagram. Did I get that right? There you go. And Kevin, you are yeah. KVN Gomi. Yeah, Wearow on threads is what my Twitter was, and World of Wearow on Instagram is drawings. What you will okay. now be. But your drawings are your thoughts you used to tweet in visual form, so... I'm just saying there's a lot of ways to follow us in a lot of places, and we're great people, and you should do it. Uh, And that's it for housekeeping. Oh, also, we're on YouTube, Ram Nintendo. That's where you can find us. Thank you for your time. Back to you, Angel.
All right, I guess that's the end of the episode. So I guess I'll give the final word to Kevin. Oh, uh, later.